Season 4, Episode 5. To live is to be anxious, especially in the toxic workplace. Trage introduces the idea of psychosocial injury, work-related mental health disorders, and a case in Victoria that led to the regulator's prosecution of the workplace. Alan reminds us that in this case, the worker committed suicide. And even though this was not found to be directly related to the workplace dynamics, the prosecution fine was significant. Trage speaks on Brody's Law. Sarah introduces the idea of the enduring impact of good design. And for further background context, please go back to our Season 1, Episode 5. Warning, a reference is made in this episode to suicide. Hello and welcome to the Why Work podcast series. You are listening to Trace Fetkovsky, Sarah Pazell and Alan Girl. Recently, when I say recently, only a couple of days ago, uh, the Victorian courts imposed a fine on another Victorian court of, to the sum of $380,000 relating to a systems failure in terms of psychosocial hazards. So it's one of the handful of prosecutions around psychosocial risk. I mean, I can certainly count on one hand how many of these we've had in Queensland. Traditionally, when we think of a workplace health and safety prosecution, we think of a physical manifestation of an injury, for example, someone who's fallen off a roof, mm. someone who's fallen through a penetration, someone who has lost a finger and so on and so forth, physical hazards where there has been a, um, a catastrophic physical injury. It's a trace, it's a really important case. So can you give us a bit more detail on the facts? Yeah, yeah. tell us about it. Yeah, that case. And we touched on this one briefly in the first season around Kozarov's case. Yes. This one involved a coronial decision in relation to a, a solicitor in Victoria who worked in what could only be described as a toxic workplace where the environment was just... Yeah, just toxic. So vitriol, right. It was ridiculous workloads, poor workplace cultures, and none of the stuff we talked about uh, before with respect to mentoring or buddying. It but was probably just, a lot of rites of passage to ha- hoops to uh, jump over. Yeah, you'd be dealing with some very strong egos in a workplace yep. like that. Anyway, it involved in the coronial section of the, of the Victorian court service. The particular worker was clearly under a, a lot of stress, Time was taken off, not a system in place in order to mitigate, minimise and otherwise reduce the potential for the level of harm in a psychosocial context, Mm -hmm. clearly, because the uh, defendant had such a significant fine imposed. Anyway, that case came about in the courts and what the trigger was for that case was the unfortunate... um, committed suicide. By her own hand. Oh, right, right. So whilst the case before the courts wasn't about that, there was a coronial investi- uh, there was an inquest in relation to that. After the inquest... Victoria Works Safety. Works at Victoria. Yeah, Works at Victoria commenced an investigation with respect to the workplace environment where this particular person worked. And as a result of that, an investigation commenced. Yeah. And here we are now in the courts fined to the tune of three hundred eighty thousand. The employer indeed, was fined to the right. tune of three hundred eighty thousand dollars. So I mention it because it's one of the very few cases where a psychosocial based prosecution 
has been instigated. And I mention it because... And an award given specifically because well, no, prosecution. of the prosecution. No, prosecution. No, yeah, no, yes. Whilst, so, and you mentioned this before, Sarah. Psychological injury. The psychological injury, sorry, is also a, a, an attributing factor to a workplace injury, but that's in the workers' compensation. Workers' compensation round versus a prosecution. Yeah. Right, I see what you're saying. And I'm just wondering, do you think the scales will tip and we'll see more psychosocial-based prosecutions because of a psychosocial injury. Alan? I think I think the case is going to send shockwaves through Australia um, in numerous different ways. Um, first of all, um, if a Victorian court service can be prosecuted by a Victorian regulator, that mm-hmm. on its own should send shockwaves. So anyone who's employed in the public sector and is concerned about psychosocial as- aspects within their work environment, here's a case that demonstrates that the public sector is not immune from prosecution, and not just the public sector, but the actual court services, mm. which is quite mm. remarkable. So, so from government to government, from basically government what you're government, saying? Yeah, uh, it was an independent statutory body, as I understand it, but um, even so, it's it's a body that was involved in the administration of the courts. So, yes. you know, they, they copped it. Look, I, I've even <coughs> heard about bullying cases in uh, some states' work cover oh, we've had organizations. Yeah, we've had, we've yes. definitely had bullying cases in mm. Queensland. Um there's the, the second thing, I mean, and you touched upon this, it's, it's prosecution for a psychosocial mm. um, offence. And uh, the suicide, as I understand it, wasn't linked to the... No. So that sized fine for an offence where you're not connecting the injury to the offence itself is a huge fine. That's a very big fine and a very big fine for a psychosocial matter. So that that should be sending shockwaves through. Now, if you're a Victorian, um, you would know that the Victorian government has a whole team of people now who are psychosocial investigators who make it their purpose to go out and invest, investigate psychosocial matters. Because by way of background, Brody's decision, a very famous decision called Brody's Law, mm-hmm. involving awful facts surrounding the death of a 19-year-old cafe worker, so Victoria is quite ahead of the curve, which would explain this. But we just say by way of background, this wasn't the first, if you like, significant psychosocial prosecution. They've had a couple of significant ones before that. So there were previous bullying. So, so yeah. Brody's law was based on bullying. Yeah, uh, involving a, a young horrible boy yes. yes. who ended up taking her own life. And Brody's yes. law. And there's this amazing educative video on YouTube simply called Brody's Law. I always get yes. my students to watch it when when we do the undergraduate version of workplace behaviour lecture. So, so so Victoria. So I'm not surprised by the size of the fine because because it is Victoria. But, you know, I think if you're if you're running a Victorian business, you would be more concerned than you were elsewhere in Australia mm. about psychosocial matters. But you should be concerned no matter where you are in Australia, of course. And the other thing that comes out of this case, which is is obvious on reflection, is if, if you don't have a system in place for managing psychosocial issues, if you've yeah. got nothing. Mm-hmm. So the inspectors come out and they say, yep. what have you got to manage psychosocial issues? And your answer is, well, nothing really. Mm-hmm. 
you're in trouble. You're and potentially in very big trouble. Um, that's what this case, case was about. Really. It, it wasn't about this. I mean, there was no circumstance of aggravation. Hmm. Um, it was certainly came about as a result of what was exposed in the inquest about the lack of. Mm systems in place. Let's just talk a bit about bullying because it's a very complicated aspect when you talk about the psychosocial harm in a workplace and Mm. finding that causation. And you're talking about some pretty strong cases because Mm. you've got to unpack, you know, what is somebody's mental health state almost? What is their propensity, their anxiety levels? You know, what is their existing pre-morbid condition? And yeah. is it exacerbating something where you have a mental health condition? Uh, or is it causing, completely causing some harm mm. as well, right? So there's a lot to unpack in that. And when you think about workplace bullying, it's repeated uh, behaviors, right? And it's it un- unreasonable and repeated behaviors directed towards somebody where there's a power imbalance and where it could create yeah, well, yeah, harm. That's when, that's when you're looking at employment law, but under work health and safety law, um, some of the inspectors adopt the approach of it has to be repeated behaviour, but it doesn't have to be repeated no. behaviour. Good to clarify that. Okay, tell us about that, mm. Alan. So you could just have a one-off event. Mm. That was just egregious. Uh, ah, yes, that could lead to a work health and safety prosecution. Right. Even though under employment law it might not be considered bullying because it's not repeated behaviour. Yes, yes. So um, I think the big thing for employers is, yeah, well, Firstly, you should be designing the workplace so that these issues don't come up in the first place. Yeah. But if the issues do come up, you have to have a system in place and it has to be a system that you'll feel comfortable with it being scrutinised because that's exactly what happens. So I've, I've been in these investigations with WorkSafe Victoria and where it becomes very difficult is where they get to the point they've got a script that they follow and eventually mm-hmm. they get to the point where they say, tell us about some of the incidents you've had and how you've managed those incidents. Mm-hmm. And they might say, tell us about the sexual harassment cases you've had and how you've managed them. Now, nothing you tell the government is confidential. Everything's open. And, of course, <laughs> you, you don't want to be telling the government about um, very personal matters for both parties. And um, it becomes very immediately becomes very uncomfortable. And from a uh, employer perspective, well, you're worried the situation's going to be inflamed. You might have managed to deal with it, however, was the way you dealt with it, and then you're worried it's going to become inflamed by the inspectors right, digging so around you it. Right, you pack it again, right? And then the work travel where sex yeah, happened, like we talked about in season it's, one, okay? Yeah, and then right. uh, uh, it's very uncomfortable to talk about, um, and you don't want to talk about it. And these, and that's what's happening. The inspectors are coming out and they're probing about it. Now, what they want to know is that the complaint was properly investigated and properly attended to. And with this court case... Mm. There was no system in place, as I understand it, and that's why they got smashed. One of the things I ask employers to think about is who is vulnerable in your workplace and why? Because I've mentioned this before. Mm. I'm going to say it again. Too often I see that there are distinct, separate programs to manage physical risks, Mm. manual tasks, musculoskeletal disorders, and a separate program uh, to manage psychosocial health hazards, Mm. and the two don't join, Mm. and we forgot to think about humans and performance and who's most vulnerable in our Mm. workplace, either, you know, by the nature of 
that workforce, the precariat workforce, for example, you know, or a workforce that has a low level of education and, you know, some yeah, some yeah. disparity there in power. Or is it because they work in a system of work where vulnerabilities could arise because there are some known fatal hazards in that system of work, like the, and you know, in a mine and in construction? Yeah. And who's I, vulnerable in your workplace? Well, I'd, I'd prefer to think of it. I think everyone's vulnerable in the workplace. Well, you can't do like, everything uh, all at once is what I'm well, getting at. Well, so you've got you get, to have some, uh, some pointed, uh, you know, uh, design strategy somewhere. Yeah, to start you do with. have to have yeah. design strategy. Yeah, you, you, know, you know what was ironic was you, you set the two, the separate way, way up the Twain meeting. But you know what the irony in all this is? As I mentioned earlier, currently there is a primary and a secondary or, or an additional Psychological injury attached to the musculoskeletal injury. And They've converged. Of course, at what point did we not so, understand that our mind and our body was yeah. was integral? It's, and and this mm, is mm, I, cha- mm. I just ran a a webinar uh, sponsored by the Office of Industrial Relations, uh, Workplace Health and Safety Queensland. They asked me to talk about manual task risks, and I thought, okay. I have done these types of lectures, the most conventional ones, for so many years. I, I kind of came back and said can I do this from a work design lens? Can you let me take it just another step further, right? So we talked about the three M's, manageable, meaningful, manual tasks from a work design lens. And I asked the uh, participants, the delegates, we had about 700 people sign into this this webinar. Uh, And I asked them, please, on a little uh, poll, do you have separate programs for manual tasks for psychosocial harm and if so you know i ask questions like is one managed better than the other are they or do you have like a really robust system where it's deeply embedded on understanding humans and performance and uh i think the percentage was something like six percent had a very robust integrated method of managing and identifying vulnerable workers and understanding combined human performance programs right most said, yeah, we have one program or the other. Most said one is really not being not working that well. And most said, no, they didn't really have a system to identify who's vulnerable in their workplace, right? Mm-hmm. So these are the questions I ask because to me, you at what point in all of our theories, we understand that our physical selves are related to our psychosocial well-being mm. and are the cognitive demands of our work and the emotional demands of work can affect also our physical being. So why are we having separate programs? Now, I, get, mm. I know it's part of the answer already. I can predict this. We've done a lot of work to have separate guidance documents and codes of practice about physical risks mm. and about psychosocial risks. And so people think I need a physical program and I need a psychosocial program. In fact, you just need a human performance program, full stop. Mm. And you can draw from this valuable information. There's some great information in each and all the codes of practice and the ISO standards. And then synthesize this in a really deliberate way to understand every task that I do has a physical component, a tactic, a cognitive component of thinking and planning, and an emotional component of how I feel and how I relate to others in an environmental system. Mm. Boom, right? <laughs> so your program is around people and performance and identifying who's vulnerable in the workplace. Again, you know, by the nature of the cohort or by the system of work, what's going to make someone more vulnerable than others? And it could be also, you're talking about anybody could be vulnerable. I'm going to put out this phrase for you guys. This is something I've been ruminating on and I tend to do this a little bit. I have these, I do my work work as you were talking about, Mm. Trish, and then I have my compulsions. And these are like problems I need to solve that were Mm. around in my brain. If I said to you, to live is to be anxious, 
What would you say to that? To live is to be anxious. I live. I exist. Therefore, I am anxious. I think you sum me up. <laughs> I think I get a stick. I, I, I'm going to call, I'm gonna call <laughs> wife number two and find out. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. The thing is, just for those who, are, who, who can't see, um, what, what am I wearing, Alan? A, a wonderful T-shirt. Wonderful. Come on, you, you, you talk us through it. It's my Franz Kafka T-shirt. So to live is to be anxious. I'm actually wearing a T-shirt that says that it's Franz Kafka. Is that Kafka. what that means? I didn't even know that. Oh, Franz Kafka is, uh, we've got, we could do another podcast on Franz Kafka. That's Okay. Yeah. Sartre is my side hobby. Sa- Foucault right, right, is my Sartre. side hobby. Yes. No, no, I'm I'm Franz Kafka's number one fan. Which to, we'll talk okay, about so another this time. This is this has been re- because I think the again, trial. I've Read got- the trial for those of <laughs> you who know what I'm talking about, or the castle. All right. I'm going back to what we spoke about earlier about you yeah, know. So why trying, did you say this? To, to, to live to, is to be anxious. To live is to be anxious. Okay, so let me explain this because I'm going back to even think about the way we uh, have rites of passage, the way we test people, the way we there's hazing in the workplace, the way we educate healthcare workers. Are we t- pushing to the point of failure to see if they can cry? You know, are we setting up nurturing ways? If we said that statement, to live is to be anxious. Pause. We might actually have a little more empathy before we start to design Hmm. things, right? Hang on. If everybody, as you said, well, anyone could be vulnerable. So if everybody could or anyone could be vulnerable at workplace, doesn't that just make you pause and reflect and think, how do I do this with a little more sensitivity? Even Hmm. even in basic education, right? The other part that I've been studying with with this communication, human information processing, human factors Hmm. model, is about how we tell stories. Before you move off the anxious stuff, I did did know. I'm not moving off anxious. You, 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 mm-hmm. you mentioned um, Trace's wife number two. And I understand. <laughs> she, she treats him very well, much better than wife number one. So he's not anxious at all. <laughs> she gets foot massages every night. Yeah, she, 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 yeah. It goes both ways. Yeah, absolutely zero anxiety. All the anxiety is yeah. dissolving right. in Trace's home with foot yeah. massages yeah. every night yeah. of the week. Yeah. I'm telling yeah. you right now. That's what he learned in the changeover from wife one that, to wife two. That was this. He's only been married once, folks. Again, for the record. Everyone is vulnerable in the workplace because I often see things from the employer's perspective, not not so much from the employee's perspective. Yep. And I frequently see bullying allegations against mid-level managers. Yes. And those mid-level managers are often very stressed because mm. they've got big demands on them. And they don't have the coping skills to cope. Bingo. And they, uh, their behavior becomes inappropriate behavior because they're so stressed. And then, of course, when they're accused of being engaged in bullying behavior, the stress levels just go right through the roof. And then they're enormously distressed and very anxious. Yes. And um, in a sense, they, they become a victim of the, the, the whole overall process. There can be upward bullying, if you will. There can be bullying to managers from groups of employees, too. So but it can it, just be the system that causes it. It the, can be the system. And mm-hmm. that's, again, why I say, imagine to live is to be anxious, and suddenly we might pause and think, wow, how do we be a little more sensitive? How do we have some empathy with the way that we do things? now? So when Trace was prosecuting and he would drag people through the courts, oh, Trace, big bad Trace, the big bad wolf is sitting here. They were very anxious. And he's got a t shirt talking about anxiety and he's the big bad wolf. Your ears, your pointy ears, right? Oh, yeah, that's me. They, you know, we'd be saying, who's your prosecutor? Oh, Trace. Oh, no, not Trace. 
so what? Hazards exist everywhere. That's why I go back to saying to live is to be anxious. And if somebody comes back and says, ooh, we hear reports of anxiety in your organization, contextualized to mm. what? To live is to be anxious. Yeah, so that, is so it meaningful just, or yeah, not, right. right? So in itself, saying that, that's just not enough. That's nothing. It's nothing. It's nothing. You right? need to go beyond the veil of anxiety. You need to <laughs> pierce that veil. And, and, yeah. Well, does, does that mean that if you're not anxious, you're not living? Oh. You're a little too mellow. This yellow, is baby. getting into yeah. Descartes. You know, I eat before I am. <laughs> this I is think getting, therefore I am. Yeah, I'm anxious. I, therefore I, said, I am. I eat before I no, am. I am. I'm anxious. Therefore I live. Therefore I live. Yeah. that's right. This is getting quite philosophical. <laughs> so, this is that's your foray. So those yeah, those I'm types interested. of reports that you were describing yes. which are very generalised, and they're really just a regurgitation of the codes of practice. Exactly, and they just find a few examples, but it's expensive. They're paying expensive mm. consultancy fees for these type of reports. That almost tell you nothing about a true well, meaningful action you, plan. I, I can tell you they're not much help when the inspectors come out. Because okay. the, Thank you. The inspectors what? will say, give us some examples of where you've identified hazards and risks and how you manage them. Well, so they want the context, uh, right? They, 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 want it, they want it tied down to uh, actual things. Before that, they'd say, can you show me your uh, register? They will. Oh, but you can, you can get... Um, uh, Registers thrown together that are, are uh, similarly meaningless. Yeah. Except yeah. what I've seen is I've seen the uh, risk registers. No mention of psychosocial risk. Just oh, um, they're very, uh, very physical, physical dominated. Yeah, so that's your first uh, do not pass <laughs> go. At least, at least have a register in well, place. So what? I, so in this webinar, for example, I took a task that is so familiar to pretty much everybody. It's about mm. doing laundry, right? We should all yes, recognize what doing too. laundry is because we do it at home. So I decided to choose a task. Not money where, laundry. What, what? Not, Not money. money laundering, although I could talk about some stories in that vein too. But anyway, back to clothing <laughs> laundry. Uh, right? right, linen, excellent. Linen laundry, okay. right? And. Laundered socks, not yeah, laundered. socks, shirts, jocks, you know, all the rest of it. Yes, okay, sure. because I wanted I wanted the seven hundred people that were signed yes. up to do this webinar just to have a task that they could all relate to. Was it sponsored and, by Omo? <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I, That's free advertising here. Do you know? Yes, yes, Let's see if we get sponsorship now. Yeah, I know if you're listening. We're clean. All right. <laughs> Smell fresh too. <laughs> <laughs> All right, now please. Right. So, Sorry, okay, okay. I digress. So laundry, Sorry. laundry, right? So we're talking about laundry, and that way people can understand. All right, we can start to already think. You know, it's a safe place to start thinking about what the physical requirements are. The fact you might have to pull out from a, a deep industrial uh, washing machine tangled laundry, right? And that's difficult and hard, yeah. whatever. Even from your home laundry, sometimes things are tangled and annoying to, to get out. And then you might think about, well, I have to lift my shoulders. And if I'm doing this task, not just for 20 minutes like we do at home, but for eight hours, mm. my shoulders are sore and I'm folding this laundry. But then you start to think about that same task with physical demands also has demands like in the environment. Uh, maybe you have poor ventilation. You've got this hot machinery and with mm. the heat thermal response mm. from the, all the machinery operating. You have uh, chemicals that you're exposed to all the time, right? You may have biohazards if you're working in healthcare and you're cleaning up soiled laundry and you have to be careful about biohazards, right? Mm -hmm. uh, you've got uh, and blood and guts and whatnot, right? Yeah. <laughs> Let alone, yeah. uh, you know, fecal matter, et cetera, right? Mm -hmm. So you've got biohazard management. Mm -hmm. And then you may have things like... Um, 
electrical power safety and you may yes. be challenged because there's not enough power cords in the environment that you're working in and then you may have isolation you're the forgotten mohicans that are in the back doing the laundry like you're in the basement right yes. so <laughs> or you're in the side corner nobody's thinking about you nobody's stopping in to just chat it's not like the water cooler yes. chat in the back laundry yeah. do okay people forget that you do the laundry do yes. you, who does the laundry yes. at home trash Renee. Oh! Really? Yeah, I wonder you're not anxious. You yes. should be anxious about that. Yeah, we're giving yes. foot massages as an exchange. I was just thinking of um, just how nice and start, um, yeah, how nice and crisp the clothes are. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> when I do them, it's no, soft and fluffy. <laughs> <laughs> it does them. Oh, I do it as well when she's I away I just saw working. a hack this morning on a side note. I saw a yeah. hack. It says if your T-shirt comes out crumpled, right, yeah. and yeah, you want to put this T-shirt on, seriously, I don't know this, you throw it in the dryer with an ice cube for five there minutes and it comes out. Thank iron. You. I'm, I'm like, what? Yeah, I'm going to try this. I'm going to yeah. crumple one up on purpose and see if mm, I, that except works. Except that's an ice cube I could put in my gin. But anyway, I, I digress. <laughs> the gin ice cube. Okay. So you're drinking so, gin and tonic while Renee's doing oh, your washing. No, I no, will be when I go look. on the uh, When she hears this, you should be anxious. Yes, yeah. very anxious. job control, right? How much is somebody just telling you to do the job this way? Or do you have a question mark? I'm just putting this as a question mark. Do you have autonomy and control about the work volume? Uh, You you might not feel as though any of your ideas to improve the system were ever heard. Is there a mechanism for you to voice that and to be engaged in the design of your work? So Sarah, just tell me, are you saying all the other factors that you've just mentioned, but for the psychosocial, are you saying all of those have been considered or they haven't? I'm saying point to do a manual task risk assessment program without also Uh at the same time any task based program could be just human performance based use that opportunity while you have consultants or you internally uh, resources are allocated to examine a task and go for gold look at look at physical look at environmental look at uh, the uh, the psychosocial hazards the cognitive demands do a proper thorough analysis and get outside hired experts for those aspects that you need support on Um, and analyze why somebody would be vulnerable in that task and understand um, who's that cohort and the other part of that vulnerability mm. is the cohort these are uh, you look at job labor market stats just in Australia, freely available, right? These are usually people who have a lower wage than the rest of Australia, precarious workforce that are usually not full-time, you know, uh, very hard to secure full-time work. So they're casualized workers, uh, gig economy workers. They may be low <laughs> levels of education. most of Australia at the moment. Low, low levels of education, <laughs> mostly women, right? So now you're looking at a vulnerable cohort and then you continue to unpack this and understand, wow, yeah. what else are we doing in the work system that exacerbates the vulnerability of these people having to do this job? Yeah. How are we really creating harm uh, or how are we constructing health for a population who is already marginalized before they start their jobs? Well, I call those junk jobs because of the lack of security and um, lack yeah, of security. the unwashed, no pun intended. And so do they really feel, so, okay, so let's say you, let's say you run a, a the perfect manual task hazard education program. Yeah. Are those people who are already marginalized and fearful of losing work going to report a hazard or are they afraid of losing their job? Now, Mm. you can't, and that's where I say it has to be 
contextualized. I think you mentioned this earlier, Alan. You can't run the same old education program for a marginalized population versus somebody who's confident to report a hazard. Mm. Right? Well, let's, let's Different this, context. Let's keep it clean. Let's get back to the laundry. Laundry. Now, go back to the laundry and back to your model. again? All right. Let's get back to the laundry. So, just let me get this straight. Um, in your experience? In my experience? In have, my research and in my studies, in, Trish. Yes, in, in your whole <laughs> highly specialized work, research and studies. In your you. whole of work life <laughs> yeah, experience. Yeah. Let's yeah, stick yeah. to the laundry. Please tell me this that all the other elements you just described, i.e., the actual tasks and mm. the manual component, mm. the environmental aspect, the hygiene component, uh, the electrical component, mm. the slips, strips, and falls, mm. you know, if you plug that thing, have at least those factors have been integrated. But for the psychosocial, or are you saying most no. of the time no? Most See, of the time no. What not a sad even, not even those those anchors. And and oh. the other part I'm trying to prompt businesses to think about is then once you have that data, first drill drill deep, yeah. and once you have that data, start using design strategies like create a persona, which means you study the work cohort, yeah. create some empathy maps, and understand the realities of their work and the the uh, varieties of work, like what we talked about, work is done, work is disclosed, work is prescribed, you know, work is imagined. And then from that, go through journey maps about what their experience is. So use some real basic, fundamental, conventional design tools and human factors expertise. And then go through my interventions need to be the stuff that's mm. the most resilient and enduring. Things like if I had a great environment with plenty of space and the right reaches and good ventilation and good airflow and good light, et cetera, am I already mitigating workarounds for the next 20 years because I'm starting with something that has can impact you significantly? Or if I have a really shitty environment, am I creating harm for the next 20 or 30 years that these people are working? And then you go through, what about the equipment that I mm. buy and purchase? Spend a little bit more money, get the best stuff. And again, you're now talking about years of intervention. Mm. And then you go through the job design and you go through those things that are most enduring. And don't just go, I know, we'll do a behavioral training about manual manual handling and think about lift mm. procedures. Alan, Sarah, guess what, guess what she just used before the word. What? She used the word journey. A journey map. You still use the word journey. <laughs> tool in design strategy you talk about journey maps i'm not all like hey dude what's your journey okay <laughs> it's actually called a journey map that's what it is can we work on I another word <laughs> I like a destination platform. destination platform i think i prefer destination platform i'm just i'm, I'm, look, I'm, I'm just sensitive for the listeners. to that yeah Tell yeah me about your journey yeah, man for the, for the listeners out there we we, we suffer from journey fatigue yeah we've yeah. been traveling a long journey because a lot of people talk about Journeys, and I just want to, I just want to redesign the nomenclature. I prefer destination platform. A destination platform. <laughs> You've been listening to Trage, Sarah, and Alan. And if you really enjoyed this show, share this with a friend. Submit your five-star rating on your favourite podcast streaming service. Keep listening and send in your stories. You can email us at hello at whywork.com.au and, of course, sign in to our newsletter. You can head straight to our website at www.whywork.com.au. We can't wait to learn about the trouble you've seen in the workplace. And remember, none of the things we've talked about today should be construed as legal advice or any other type of advice. We're just here to talk about all things related to work and we hope you enjoyed as much as we do we love it see you next time